Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians, you know, that would be me and uh, the two other people joining me today as our cast, uh, where we all dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical world view. Thank you so much for watching us today or listening to us. My name is Bruce Johnson. I'm joined here in the wonderful state of South Dakota with my good friend Joseph Lassiter. Hello. We're also joined by my brother Jacob Johnson back in Pennsylvania. Hello. So everybody is here. Don't forget, go to trdshow.net. That's where you can find a list of links to all of the many platforms that we're on. And there are many. So in the uh, unlikely event that we get censored on uh, more than just YouTube and the big tech platforms, we're still on tons of platforms. So follow the podcast. If you're a podcast listener, we'd love for you to uh, follow our podcast. At least give us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, subscribe on all of the platforms that we are on and... Uh, that does include YouTube, but we really prefer if you went to Rumble instead, because you know, that's where we don't get censored. So it'd be great if you could get access to all of our content instead of just a small selection of it. You can also send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the show, some of the topics we've been t discussing, some of the um, well, the books we've been reading, the current events we've discussed, all of it. Let's, uh, let's hear it. Send us some emails at trdshow at protonmail.com. Our theme this month is biblical principles for restraining civil government. Again, biblical principles for restraining civil government. And uh, to go with that nice shiny new theme, we've got a nice shiny new book right over here. If you're watching us, you can see it on our shelf, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates by Matthew Truella. I think that's how you say his name. That's how I'm going to be pronouncing it for the next month. So Truella, I think makes sense. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Truella? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Truel it is. All right. Truel, maybe? Truel. Uh, yeah. Maybe the A is that silent. That works. <laughs> maybe the A is silent. Maybe the A is silent, right? <laughs> yeah, fancy French spelling, you know. Um, so this week we read chapters one, two, and three. We're going to be breaking all of that down. And uh, there's just so much to talk about. So we're very excited for that. But before we get to all of that, we have to talk about the verse of the week. And I'm going to pass it on over to Jake to do just that. Alrighty, and our verse this week can be found in uh, Colossians 1, verse 16, and it reads, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And again, that is Colossians 1, verse 16. Awesome. Thank you so, so much, Jake. Yeah, so, you know, we talked a lot more about this verse on our Monday episode, so if you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. It's, uh, it's a really good discussion that we had about some very interesting topics, and we broke this verse down a lot more at the beginning of that, but I'll just give a brief recap. Um, so, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. This is, this is all inclusive, all things on earth, right? Visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, everything is created both through him and for him. And we broke down what uh, some of the implications of that are on Monday. But remembering that in all of the governments that we've discussed, and we've talked about this a lot ever since we started breaking down Garrett Amar's series, God and Government, we've read volumes one and two, but he's talked a lot about the governmental spheres. So the sphere of the individual, the family, the church, and the civil government. So all four of those, all of them were created for Christ and all authority comes from Christ. And that's what we're talking about here. All things were created through him. So 
reading through Romans chapter 13 also, which is misconstrued by a lot of people for us to, you know, they like to say, well, just do everything civil government says because it has all authority, right? No, 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 no. Back it up here. Where did that authority come from? As the authority giver, who gets to tell them how to run? Uh, that would be God. <laughs> Christ is on the throne. Christ is reigning. So because of that, civil government, church government, family government, and individual governments all need to be run according to scripture. And that's where uh, the tagline all of scripture for all of life comes through. So we've talked about a lot of that throughout the past couple months and kind of throughout the whole history of the show. So this verse I thought was really good for breaking that down. Anything else you guys would like to add to that verse recap before we proceed? Nope. So, Jacob. Not only was uh, has Roman 13 been uh, misconstrued, but also <laughs> it would also be 1 Peter uh, 2.13. Just another something. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Do you have that uh, verse available? Do you want to read that? Yeah, sure. And um, it again, it's talking about submission to authority. Mm. Um, and again, the reason it's misconstrued is because during that time, the Jews were particularly, uh, they liked to revolt and rebel <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And, and these were riots mm. and not, they, again, they were harming other Romans. They were harming uh, Roman officials and stuff like that. Um, but it but it says in verse 13, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governor as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Mm. Yeah. So that, that to me, like, that last bit, put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That's talking about restraint, right? Don't give them fodder. Don't give them ammunition. Don't do something stupid and honestly unchristlike, unrighteous that they can then use against us, against the church to say, well, these people did this. The rest of them must want to do it too. Round them up, you know, <laughs> like that's that last bit I think is really pertinent too. Thanks for sharing that, Jake. That's that's really good. Yeah. And I think that relates actually pretty well to our discussion today, where we're talking about the lesser magistrates. So before we get into our discussion, I, I have a little bit of an excerpt I, I wrote um, talking about why we picked this book, at least from my perspective. And Jacob and Joe, I'd love to get your uh, perspectives on what I'm about to read as well. But this is my perspective on why we picked this book, and I'd love to know if you agree or disagree. So, um, so. Two reasons. First of all, we received multiple requests from listeners who had heard about or had read this book and wanted us to break it down on the show. Um, so that was kind of the first reason was that that put it on our on our radar on our list, right? Then once we started looking into it, we realized that Matthew Truella, I'm going to say Truella, I think that works. Truella in his book is sharing a lot of the same things that Gary DeMar shared, uh, but from a slightly different perspective. Matthew Truella throughout this book breaks down delegated powers, uh, a version of sphere sovereignty, which is that government that we talked about earlier, you know, individual, family, church, and state, all those separate but equal under Christ. Uh, that sphere sovereignty is the fancy term. Um, and also the duty of lesser magistrates to stand for justice. So hopefully that kind of recaps what this book is about and why, why we picked it. Um, and especially our theme, you know, this month is biblical principles for restraining civil government. I think this relates pretty well to that. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? You kind of agree? Yeah. When I... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Joe. <laughs> um, 
when I first heard of this, the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, I always, I thought it was, um, and this may still be the case, but I, I think my first idea was that it's talking about government as a lesser magistrate to God. Mm. And I mean, this is, this is true. In a sense, that, that is true. Right. And, and this is true that God is a higher magistrate, but it's, and we'll go into this and actually I don't, I don't want to spoil it. So I'm <laughs> kind of going to stop right there, but saying that my first inklings of this was that, um, God is the higher magistrate and civil government is the lesser magistrate. Mm. And then in, and then even going into going further than that, each other magistrate or each other government is a lesser than yeah. God. Sort of like a telescoping, uh, telescoping sort of scheme. Right. There. Yeah. Yeah. But Landscape. all, all other, all other four governments are, are on the same plane, mm. you would say, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But then I think as you get, uh, from the larger to the smaller, you also get that same from the civil government, which is over a large group of people, huge group of people, all the way down to... Church, a little bit smaller. Family, a little bit smaller. And then finally, individual, extremely small, you know, compared to that. So, yeah, that telescoping. But but they are, in terms of their um, realms of authority and the, the authority that they have, are all equal under Christ. So, Joe, your, your thoughts on that? What did, did, anything you wanted to add? No. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Um, all right, so I'm going to start uh, getting into this conversation. Um, I want to talk about some of the historical examples of the doctrine of the lesser magistrate that uh, Matthew Truella brought up, and there's six of them. I won't get through all six. I'll probably just go through like two or three of them. But I thought the first one on page one was fascinating, so a little bit big, um, but I'm going to read all the way through it, and I, I think uh, it'll kind of make some sense and it's really inspiring story for sure to, to hear about. So, uh, so here it goes. In 39 AD, Publius Petronius, hopefully I got that right, <laughs> who was the Roman governor of Syria and Palestine, received an order from his superior Calig Caligula. There it is. That one is so hard. <laughs> who was the emperor of Rome? Caligula, who was convinced of his own divinity, ordered Petronius to assemble half his army and install an image of himself in the Jewish temple at Jerusalem. To the Jews, a statue of the emperor in the temple was a severe affront to their religion. The Jews, therefore, sent numerous delegations during this time to protest before the governor concerning this law of the emperor. Petronius was so deeply moved by the reasoning of their protests that he wrote to Caligula that he would not enforce his order and entreated the emperor to annul it, end quote. So, story goes on to say that uh, ultimately, um, because of this action, it led to several other things occurring, and there was no statue that was placed in the temple because of, uh, in, in this example, um, Petronius is the, uh, I think it's Petronius, yes, I got it right, all these Roman names, okay, Petronius is the in-between, Right, he is the lesser magistrate under Caligula. Caligula, Caliglia? Caligula. There it is. He's the lesser magistrate under the emperor. He's in charge. Of, this is the guy in charge of the army under the guy in charge of the country. <laughs> and he said, "No, um, no, I'm sorry. I've listened to the people, and they don't want this. We're not. We're not doing this." Right. And if he were ruling biblically, he would go to the Bible and say, "Well, the people don't want this." Also, the Bible says this isn't okay. Here's what the Bible says. 
now here's why I'm not doing it, right? That you always need to, what we never want is pure democracy, right? Can we, can we all agree mm-hmm. that we never want pure democracy, mob rule, right? Mm-hmm. right. What, right. what we do want is the people to have say, but ultimately we want the lesser magistrates to look at the Bible to decide, well, are the people right or are the people wrong? People could be wrong, right? As we're about to see in a second, the people have been very wrong at times. Um, so I'm going to move on to, uh, actually, yeah, before I do, Jacob has something that, uh, that he'd like to, to bring up uh, at well. this point as well. So take it away. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is, this is what I wanted to go over and this can be found in the entirety of chapter two. Um, and it's talking about interposition and I'm going to bring up a quote, which is found on page six. And it reads, Governor Petronius illustrated his interposition by standing between the emperor's soldiers and the Jews. He took a stand between the unjust law and the people. Mm. And I wanted to note that while, yes, he didn't, he didn't actually say that the reason he was doing this was because, oh, it goes back to a biblical aspect. But he didn't do that. But I wanted to bring up that this is a truly biblical understanding that we are to interpose. Mm. And, and not just that we ourselves as citizens, as people should interpose, but that this is a governmental system that God wanted. That it's a that, duty. Right, exactly. Yeah, a duty of the and magistrate to do this. I'm going to go over uh, the one verse but I'm going to give you the verse reference for the other one. Nice. So you can look it up by yourselves. But the first one is Isaiah 1, 22 through 23. And this is this is a verse that we had on our show oh, a while yeah, ago. Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> and it says, your silver, your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Mm. Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. Mm. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Mm. That's the point yeah. that I want to that what I want to focus on, is that they don't defend the cause the cause of the fatherless, and they do not. Um, just like really, really quickly to provide some context, that that's talking about, and we talked about this two weeks ago, but that's talking about Israel under judgment, right? That's talking about a nation that is in a very bad position in the sight of God. Um, right. That is a description of that. So with that in mind, yeah, go ahead, Jake. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then also the verse reference for the other one is Deuteronomy 10 verses 18 through 19. And mm. again, this is a very biblical trait that a lesser magistrate is to interpose, right, coming in between the higher magistrate and the lower, and the people, right? And when I say higher magistrate, I do not mean God. What I mean is the federal government yes. or a larger government. Civil government, yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and again, I just wanted to iterate, that is a very biblical trait. Mm. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for uh, bringing that up. Joe, did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I just found a, a quote that I think fits well. Maybe if it doesn't, then you can tell me where it fits better. <laughs> but uh, it's off of page two, and it states, The lesser magistrate doctrine declares that when the superior or higher civil authority makes unjust, unmoral laws, 
or decrees, the lesser or lower ranking civil authority has both the right and the duty to refuse the uh, uh, obedience of that superior authority. Mm, really and, good quote. And yeah. I, I just really thought, because that really stuck out, can, um, stating that we can only go against higher authorities whenever the higher authorities make unjust, immoral laws or decrees. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Thanks for bringing that up, Joe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that last part you said also, it, it's it's the duty of the interposing, uh, it's the duty of the, the civil government to interpose mm -hmm. if they have to, yeah, on behalf of the people. You so, know, oh, if you ahead. don't mind me asking a question. Sure. Because it hits my mind. What, what do y'all think that unjust slash immoral or decrees are? Yeah, well, that's a huge topic, and we've been getting into that. Um, every time we talk about God and government, volume one, volume two from Gary DeMar, you know, I would argue that any time civil government advocates for something that is outside of its authority. Um, now, obviously, before I get to that one, the first would obviously be if they're requiring their people, or if they themselves are doing anything that goes against the Ten Commandments. So if they're requiring their people to just go around wantonly stealing... That is wrong. They're requiring people to kill. Obviously, that's immoral, right? Mm -hmm. uh, w without d defense, obviously, defense is uh, it's not murder, which is murder is wrong, but defense is a just war is right. So that's one, Ten Commandments. That would be immoral. Secondly, though, if they are going outside of their jurisdiction, I believe that it is not the civil government's responsibility, for instance, to build roads and handle infrastructure. That's not their job. Biblically speaking, we don't see that. What we see are two things the civil government is to do. One is justice. Two is biblical defense. So anytime a civil government goes outside of those boundaries and does other things, I would say that they're in the wrong and that it is then time for a lesser magistrate to step in and say, nope, we're not doing that. No, we're not going to build your roads. No, we're not going to indoctrinate children. No, we're not going to allow money to be sent to baby murder. All of these sorts of things that the civil government, anytime they're not allowed to do something and they want to do it, that's wrong. That's immoral. Yep. Anything that goes against biblical law is considered tyranny. Yep. And oppression. And and it really, like, like, like we were saying in the... Um, in the current events episode, right? We don't fully know what God's law is, right? We can say the Ten Commandments, right? That's for sure. But oh, you're saying so collectively we as a church are unaware right, right now because we haven't right, studied it. I get right. you. And and so we really, our pastors, our churches need to be going through and collectively looking at yes, what are God's laws and listing them out so we can actually see them. Yes, but um, I think there's so much more, and I think blanketly saying, I I think right now all I can give is generally anything that goes against God's law. Yep, is considered an unjust law. You know. Yep. Well put. And then even even including what what Bruce was saying, I think that's that's also vitally important. Anything to add, Joe, or if you if, don't mind, one. Okay, one go ahead. <laughs> when I was doing scripture study, and I, I decided I'm not going to bring up First Peter or, or Romans 13, just because y'all already stated that in the beginning. But what about Titus three one through two? 
What oh, what's says, that say? Remind them to be subjects to rulers and authorities, to obey and be ready for every good work, to speak, uh, yeah, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, <clears throat> gentle, showing all humility to all men. And I can read verse three too, if you want. Yeah. Uh, verse 3 says, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, ser serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. Yeah. And, and I personally found that it kind of says for, for us as believers, because this is uh, Paul writing to Timothy to mm -hmm. remind the, the pastors, I think it was the pastors um to obey obey your uh, civil authorities your rulers that are over you yeah which is um exactly what jake touched on a little bit earlier right talking about there he's speaking to these people that were constantly in rebellion that were constantly even if the civil government was doing what it was supposed to be doing they weren't listening they weren't obeying right. it they weren't acknowledging that the civil government is a government ordained by God, that it is mm -hmm. something that is put in place for our good. And I think we talked about this maybe two weeks ago, or maybe it was last Friday, but it's to be a reflection of God's justice is what civil government is supposed to be. So when they punish the evildoer and praise the righteous, they are fulfilling what God has called them to do. And we see that in Romans 13, right? But when they don't, do you, I mean... I don't think any of us would say when they don't do that and when they command us to go against God's word that we should still follow them, that we should still acknowledge them. And I have several other examples in scripture and in history where people said, nope, as soon as you go against what God has said, we're not following you anymore. The founding fathers certainly did that. And they've given us several means, both peaceful and unfortunately, if it comes to it, physical. But that's, that is often very far down the road. And if all peaceful measures fail, then physical measures, such as the Second Amendment, are to be used. But generally, yeah. go ahead, Jake. The, the major problem was that they went directly to physical. You know, it's not, uh, we all know, we know that Rome was not a just nation, yeah. right? And but, and, but the response is not to immediately go and attack Rome. Hmm. The, the the response is to try and change and yes. to yes. make it bring it back under a biblical perspective. Right. It's not immediately to go out and attack it and kill as many people as you can find. Mm. Yep. Does that uh, kind of answer your question, Joe? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very cool. Um, well, there are lots of other examples, but uh, I'm actually going to move on to, uh, we only have about seven minutes left, so I have three more sections that I want to get to, so I'll try and get through these as quickly as possible, but next, I want to talk about defining the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. We've kind of done this all throughout, but there's a couple of collective quotes, I think, that will define this pretty well. Um, let's see here. We'll go to, uh, let's do page th pages three through four. Um, Matthew Chuella said, uh, when an unjust decree is made by a higher authority, the lesser magistrate must choose to either join the higher magistrate in his rebellion against God or stand with God in opposition to the unjust or immoral decree, end quote. And that, Joe, that was kind of similar to the, the quote that you brought up as well, right? The dichotomy here, I think, is fascinating, and we need to understand this. 
when a higher magistrate is doing something that is not biblical for them to do, what is just, what is, I almost said Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Matthew Truella, there it is. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, uh, or thought that rather. Um, what is Matthew Truella saying that that higher magistrate is doing? He's going against God, right? And here he's saying, if a lesser magistrate does not go against the higher magistrate, he is joining the higher magistrate in his rebellion against God. So we need to understand that this is not just, oh, I was following orders. No, 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 no. You're joining the higher magistrate in rebellion against God if you don't stand against it. This is an important thing to understand. Um, and this, I think, plays well into uh, what happened during 2020, right? That whole situation where civil government greatly overstepped their bounds and went into people's houses and went into restaurants and, you know, all of this ridiculousness. And the cops would re retort when someone said, why are you doing this to us? How can you do that? I know you, man. Why are you doing this to me? We're friends. We hang out all the time. You know, like, you were at my son's graduation or whatever, right? What would the cops say? I'm just following orders, man. I'm just doing what the guy above me told me to do instead of interposing like the individual that he's supposed to be. So I think that's really important. Um, okay, let's talk about the effects and potencies of this doctrine. I have about five minutes left. So page three, um, uh, Matthew Truella said, the teaching by Christian men about the lesser magistrate, God's sovereignty, covenant, the nature of man, and church government shaped the views of Western civilization that birthed constitutional governments. I mean, end quote, this has massive, far-reaching effects, this principle of the, the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, the, the teaching of Christian men about the lesser magistrate, God's sovereignty, the covenant, the nature of man, church government, all these things, teaching of Christian men and, might I add, churches, shaped the views of Western civilization. This is certainly, when you look at the, the foundings of America, what were the pastors doing? How were the pastors preaching prior to the war for independence, prior to the writing of the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or the Articles of Confederation? The pastors were preaching vehemently against tyranny. They were preaching on what civil government from a biblical perspective looks like. There are just countless examples of that. Pastors need to be involved in all of these things and they need to preach on it from their pulpits. All right, um, we got about four minutes left. I have one more section to do, which is the sovereign authority of God. Before I get to that, Jake, Joe, is there anything you guys would like to add to the conversation? No. Nope, I just want to let you get through what you need to get through. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, so the sovereignty, um, the sovereign authority of God. On page 11, uh, Matthew Shuella said, God is the ultimate authority. The Bible says plainly, and then he quotes Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, the most high rules over the realm of mankind. Again, look up Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. He created us and thus knows best how we are to be governed. God is the ultimate lawgiver and ruler, end quote. Uh, a little bit farther down on page 11, he actually kind of cemented exactly what and restated exactly what Gary DeMar was saying in his book. Um, Matthew Truella said, God has, has established four realms of government to which he delegates authority. They are self-government, family government, church government, and civil 
government. Each has its own role, function, and jurisdiction. If one invades the jurisdiction of the other, chaos or tyranny ensues, end quote. On page 12, continuing this thought, um, uh, Matthew Truella said, the civil government's power is not unlimited, nor is its role to be autonomous. And then he, he breaks down autonomous autonomy, which is something we talked about when we went through um, Greg Bonson's book, Always Ready. But uh, Dresden Truella says, the word autonomous comes from two Greek words, autos, which means self, and nomos, which means law. The authority of the state is not autonomous. They do not get to create law out of thin air or by whim, end quote, which is seemingly what they're doing today. Um, let's see. I'm going to wrap things up with uh, just a quote from um, page 13, where I <laughs> he has a John Calvin quote that I was just astounded by and i was like oh my goodness i can't believe john calvin said this this is insane so i wanted to make sure i got this in here uh this is from page 13 um matthew chuella said when a higher authority makes unjust law he abuses his power and may be resisted when the lesser magistrate sees the higher magistrate make bad law it is the right and duty of the lesser magistrate to interpose against such false law when the state authorities make law that Contra, uh, contravenes or impugns the law of God. John Calvin wrote, For earthly princes lay aside their power when they rise up against God and are unworthy to be reckoned among the number of mankind. We ought rather to spit on their heads than to obey them. End quote. So I, I thought that was uh, that was kind of pithy and funny, <laughs> but, but true. <laughs> um, so, and that was John Calvin. Mm-hmm. All right. That, I think, pretty much gets through everything I wanted to get to. Uh, I'll open up the floor. Is there anything that you guys would like to add in closing to this conversation before we wrap things up today? I got a practical question. Take it away, Joe. If you don't mind asking. Sure, we got about like one minute. (laughs) So, obviously, we know um, abortion is... um, Murder. Murder, and that's unjust. Yep. We, We know homosexuals unjust. Yep. How about... For things that are like roads or taxes or things of that nature. Yeah, great question. That is a great question. And to that, I will point to um, a lot of what we have studied previously in Gary DeMar's books as well as reference. Um, But I will also add that when you study the Old Testament... You study the book of Deuteronomy, um, parts of Leviticus. When you study uh, all of those things you start to realize that there are principles that God has laid down as foundation, as grid work for structuring society. And we see that all throughout scripture. One of the most important things that we have to understand is that God's word speaks to all areas of life. Uh, I forget who it was. Was it Philip Kayser who said, uh, there's not an inch of society where Christ doesn't scream mine, right? There's not an inch of our lives where Christ doesn't scream mine. God's word speaks to all of life. One of the best examples of that is an entire book called Deuteronomy that clearly shows us how civil government should be run. So what we do is we derive the principles from the book of Deuteronomy, parts of Leviticus, all throughout the Old Testament, 
lots of parts of the New Testament, Christ restated lots of those laws and principles. And what we do is we take those principles and attempt to apply them to our modern societies today. This is what the Founding Fathers did. That's how they come up, came up with the freedoms that they did. And we talked about this months and months ago when we were going through Volume 1 of God and Government, right? They didn't come up with that off the top of their heads. That was something that they studied, the Word of God. They were so immersed. We talked a little earlier about preachers uh, who were uh, preaching from the pulpit how civil government should be run. You think they, they didn't just come up with that off the top of their head. That, that was from studying the Word of God. So, to get a little more practical, what we see throughout, all of that was to provide context to my this statement. <laughs> what we see in principle throughout the Old Testament, throughout those books that I just mentioned, throughout all of Scripture, is that civil government is responsible for two tasks, primarily. Those are generalizations, but most of the laws fit underneath those two, these two umbrellas. One, defense of the nation. And again, that's very that's restricted. There are very strict stipulations on how it should be uh, defended. And uh, we might have to do an episode or a discussion topic on that sometime because I talked about that a, a couple months back on the current events section, but haven't restated that in a while. But there's very strict stipulations on that. And secondly, justice. Civil government is the justice division of society. And we see lots and lots and lots of examples of that. The Old Testament law is oftentimes called the case law for that very reason. It's judicial cases that show us what true justice and retribution look like. So those are the two things we see in the Old Testament that the civil government is allowed to do. Outside of those bounds, all the other responsibilities are given to the individuals, the families, and the churches. And unfortunately, we are at a time, but does that kind of answer your question, Joe? I think so. Cool. Very cool. Thanks for asking it. That was a, that was a good question. All right, Jake, anything that you would like to add as well? Nope. <laughs> I think because I kind of took over the current events and uh, <laughs> not fall into you to take the, the literature and I think it was very good. So. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Well, very cool. <laughs> Thank you all so, so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, go to trdshow.net. Check us out there. We're on all sorts of platforms. Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. And uh, until then, I guess we'll see you on Friday. Oh, we have a special guest. I forgot to announce this on Monday, but we have a special guest on Friday. Um, definitely, definitely you want to tune in Friday. It's going to be a very interesting conversation, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you then. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord. <laughs>